0: I've been waiting for five weeks to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I'm so glad you're here. We want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Lean over to the person next to you and ask them this question. What did it take to get you here this morning? It's an open-ended question. Go. Go. Well, we're going to address that in just a moment. Today we're finishing up a series we're calling This is How I Fight My Battles. And we have been following the second missionary journey of Paul as he's gone from Asia into Europe. And he's gone through the European cities of Philippi. And if you were here for that day, you know that basically he was just tortured in Philippi. He went from Philippi, he went to Thessalonica to Berea. Dan did an excellent job last week talking about Paul and Athens. And we're going to finish up today with Paul and his spectacular ministry in Corinth in spite of all of the odds. Let me go ahead and read the passage today. Acts chapter 18 verse 1 begins. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, which is in northern Turkey, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius, the Roman emperor, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And so Paul would work as a tent maker six days of the week, and then from Friday to Saturday night, he would go and he would spend just one day a week working and preaching the gospel in the synagogue. It says in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, meaning that um, Silas and Timothy brought an offering, money from another church, gave it to Paul so he could pay for his living expenses with that. And so now seven days a week, Paul devoted himself to preaching in the synagogue, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, just like in every single city that Paul went to, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood beyond your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And then Paul left the synagogue, and this is funny, went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. If you read in the book of Acts, a worshiper of God, this is someone who believed in Yahweh, went to synagogue every single Sabbath, but wasn't willing to get circumcised as an adult because that would just be terrible. So, So Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and notice this, the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. We're going to find out in a moment how extraordinary that was. The people who lived in Corinth believed the gospel. And then one night, Paul spoke to the Lord. The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. And why did he have to tell him that? Because he was afraid. He was going to get killed. I'm with you, and no one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. You have no idea how extraordinary this is that people believed, and he stayed there for a year and a half in Corinth teaching them the Word of God. In, t- in 2015, I had the opportunity to go to visit Corinth itself as a part of a study group. And the first thing I want you to notice is that Corinth is on an isthmus. Can you say that? Isthmus? Isthmus? Say that. Can you say is it? What is it? Is it an isthmus? An on, it. On, on Corinth is on a piece of land between two b- bodies of water, right? Okay, so this is ancient Corinth, and this is an area, a little town for a port called Centrea. This, uh, when Paul was there, this Corinth Canal didn't exist. Though the Romans tried to make it, but it didn't exist until much, much later. So Corinth is here. Centrea is a port town here. You might have heard of Centrea at the end of the gospel, or at the end of the book of Romans, in chapter sixteen, verse one. Paul said, "I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a minister, a deacon." Of the church in Centrea. Uh, deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, which meant minister. For those of you who grew up, grew up in churches, for those of you who are women that grew up in churches where you were taught, where you were not allowed to lead, right then and there is evidence for you in scripture of a woman as a pastor, as an elder, as a deacon, as a leader in the church. Please tell your girls. Please tell the young women that are in your family that in the kingdom of God, they are equal with men and can serve as equal in every single capacity in the church. And so I apologize that some of you grew up in churches where you were not taught that those churches were just terrible. Anyway, okay. (laughs) Corinth is a big city. Last week, Dan talked about Athens, and Athens was like the center of the Greek world. But Athens actually was a small town. Athens, it would be like comparing Reading to Philadelphia. Athens is like Reading, where Corinth is like Philadelphia, where all the people were, and it was a cosmopolitan town. Now, people came to Corinth for three reasons. Number one, they came to Corinth because of business. They wanted to make money. Here is my wife, Lisa. And we're here in Corinth, and I want you to notice, this is the Gulf of Corinth. Look how close that is. Ships would pull up in the Gulf of Corinth and drop off their stuff to sell, and then they would go and they would buy stuff to sell, like tents and leather shoes and different things that the Apostle Paul and other people would make in Corinth. People would sell stuff, people would buy stuff, and they would come from both sides as they were doing that. Now, according to the great New Testament scholar, Jerome Murphy O'Connor, he believes, and I agree with him, that the Paul, and Aquila and Priscilla, working together as leather workers and tent makers, more than likely, they did that in the North Market. Now, the North Market, here it is. When I was there, I was like, this is it. This is where Paul was. Can I just pause and say, for those of you who are skeptical about the Bible, about whether it's accurate, whether it's reliable, and you think it's a fairy tale and it's completely made up, and we've been looking at these five cities, here it is. The Bible doesn't exaggerate in any way. So what I want you to think of, the North Market, so these are individual stalls, and leather would have been down here. These are the, this is the road. And so Paul and Aquila and, and Priscilla would have gone up and they would have purchased... Let's say a week at a time to use this stall, there would have been up here a little place to uh, sleep. That's where Aquila and Priscilla would have gone. They would have gone up a ladder in the back, and the Apostle Paul would have laid here, right here. I took a video of it. Go ahead and roll that video. All right, so uh, they're covering up the uh, floors. See that? The floors. So these would have been nice floors, like the kind of floors you see like in Tijuana and stuff. Oh, hold on, hold on, let me film this first. you see, see the floor there? Yeah. The walkway. Beautiful mosaic floor. So this would have been a beautiful market. Think so of. So basically, actually the floor was low. So the Priscilla and Aquila would sleep down. There would be a room in the back up top, like a little loft. And then Paul would basically sleep down on the leather. So that's something else. Okay, babe, around. Now, I bring that up because people in Corinth had a lot of money. And have you ever met people who have a lot of money how open are they to Christianity and to God and to changing their life? Uh, usually it gets a little bit harder, as Jesus said. It's harder for a rich person to go through the eye of a needle than it is for that person to get to heaven, to open it up. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having resources. There's something definitely wrong with having resources, and those resources become an idol that keep you from God. So people in Corinth, it would have been very, very hard to reach people in Corinth but Paul did it. It says every Sabbath he went and reasoned in the synagogue. And for people, again, those of you who are skeptics that are here, and you're like, okay, he went to this synagogue. Here is the stone that would have been on the archway of the synagogue. Can you show that picture there? And um, this is a gamma, gamma, G sound. And what sound is this? Get, don't get the dirty stuff out of your mind, right? So this is This is an omega right here. This is gog, synagogue. This is all broken off. Synagogue, H-E-B. This is a row which has an R sound, Hebrews. Synagogue of the Hebrews. This is the stone on the archway where Paul would have preached. So I just simply bring this up because it's important that we're not making this stuff up. Paul actually was there. So people came there for business but the second thing that people came to Corinth for was for healing. When was the last time you went to a doctor, right? When was the last time you got medicine? When was the last time you had surgery? When was the last time you retreated? We have amazing health care in this country. If you lived in the first century and you had an ailment, what would you do? You're on your own. There, there, there was no medicine. Except in the Greek world, there was help. The gods had a god named Asclepius. This is a picture of Asclepius. You might have seen this. This is the forerunner where people take a Hippocratic oath, and you see this snake there, right, with a pole. Asclepius is spelled, let me just make sure you know how to, so it's weird kind of, Asclepius was the name. Asclepius was the god of healing, the god of medicine, and so in the first century, if you needed healing, you would go and pray to the god Asclepius to heal you. Now, in Corinth, there was an area called the Asclepion. And the Asclepion basically was the YMCA with like a hospital in it, a place where you can work out. It was a place of healing. Uh, think of the Spring Valley YMCA, right? Where you can work out, but there's also. Um, uh, Meshach, um, the, the whole physical therapy department, right? So you think of that. Big shout out to the Meshach there. And so, so that was where the Asclepion was. So this is important. You're going you're gonna to never read the book of First and Second Corinthians the same ever again after seeing this. This is where the Asclepion was, and the Asclepion looked like this. The Asclepion, this is like a, a view from the top. This was the temple. This is where the courtyard was, and you could rent rooms right here. And a lot of times in the book of Corinthians, we're talking about love feasts, where they're getting together and they're getting drunk. They're doing it right there. Now, the reason I bring this up, this Asclepion, this temple devoted to the Greek god Asclepius, is there is a little box right here. When they would come and they would pay money to go in here, and they would drop a little clay figurine of the body part that was ailing them. Right outside the temple, there would be merchants who would have clay figurines of body parts. And if you're like, you know what, my hand is hurting me, you would go and you would buy a clay hand, go pay for it, go into the temple, and drop that into the box. Archaeologists found those clay figurines. There is in the temple, not in the temple, in the museum, a little room that has a sampling of the different figurines that were made, that were devoted and prayed for and given to the god Asclepius. So if your hand, for instance, this is a picture of a hand, if your hand was hurting, let's say you had arthritis, what else would be wrong with a hand? Right? Tendinitis and that sort of thing. If your hand was hurting, you would buy one of these hands and you would go to the god Asclepius and drop it in the box and pray that Asclepius would heal your hand. I am not being profane here, so don't giggle. Uh, You would go if you had ED, or let's say you had a venereal disease, and you would buy a clay figurine of a penis, right? So sailors, if if you're on a boat two to three months and you're coming into town, what are you doing? So more than likely, the people that were coming into Corinth, this was a very popular figurine to go and buy, you would go because of the pain that you were feeling you would go and you would drop it in a box. Your feet, if your feet were hurting, you could go and buy a figurine of a foot, go and drop it into the box and pray that Asclepius would heal your foot. If you had problems with your arm, you could buy an arm. You would go and hold this big arm, go into the temple and drop it in the box and pray that Asclepius would heal your arm. If you had a problem, let's say, with a knee, right? Or your thigh. Do you have that? And you would go and you would buy that. If you had a problem with depression or anxiety, you would buy one of these. You would buy a head that would show a brain. And you would take this figurine and you would go into the Asclepion. You would drop it in the box and pray that the god Asclepius would heal you. I think it's fascinating that when the church in Corinth started having problems and they wrote to Paul and they asked for his advice on how to deal with these problems. He used the imagery of lots of different body parts working together because it was something that they understood. All of these people were new converts to Christianity and just weeks or months earlier, they were worshiping and asking Asclepius to heal them. So the Apostle Paul said, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part but many. Now, the foot should, now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And he goes all all the way down in 1 Corinthians 12, listing all of these different body parts, and the Corinthians would have been like, I get that. I get it. Just because I'm a foot, it doesn't mean I'm not that important, and we all work together to be one body. Now, the biggest reason that particularly people who were sailors would come to Corinth would be for sex. I want you to notice this picture right here. This is a picture of me standing on what's called the bema seat, the, the bema rock, the pedestal. Uh, in Corinth, whenever there would need to be a proclamation to the city, the city officials would go on top of the bema and make this proclamation. It was also where they brought Paul in front of the Bema, and handed down, uh, uh, later in, in Acts chapter 18, uh, a decision on him. And I bring this up because in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, he said, For we must all appear before the Bema seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And Paul's speaking to the Corinthians like, listen, you understand what the Bema Seat is in the center of your town. There is going to come a day when you are going to have to give account for your life and how you have been. But that's not really why I wanted to show you that picture. I'm showing you this picture because in the background of the picture is this big mountain. This mountain is called the Acrocorinth. Anywhere in the city, you could see this mountain. On top of this mountain was the temple for Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the goddess of what? Did I hear it? Love? No. Actually, the goddess of um, cheeseburgers. And it was really, no, it was the the goddess of love. Uh, The Greek historian Strabo said that at the top of that mountain were 2,000 temple prostitutes. Now that's an exaggeration, but there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So if you're a sailor, and you've been out to sea for months and months and months, and you're a pagan, and you get to port, and you have money to spend, you would go to the top of this mountain, and you would say, I want to sleep with you, and 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 you would just take however long you want at the top of this mountain. These were the people that were eventually converted in Corinth and made up the church. When the Apostle Paul says, this is what you were, he was talking very specifically to us. Now, I bring the, all of this up to say is, this is what we were. Can you think of a worse place to start a church than in Corinth? A place that had wealth and a place that was just utterly immoral. It was worse than Las Vegas. It was worse than any place you can think of in the United States. But I want you to think about how much God must have loved the people in Corinth to send the Apostle Paul there, to have him getting beaten almost to death to share the gospel with these people. It says many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. And it is astonishing. It's astonishing. People in the ancient world would have been like Corinthians? Like becoming like God sort of people? That's unheard of. But it happened. It happened because the apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Not just the good people, but to everyone who believes. First for to the Jew, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Fine, you don't want it? I'm shaking my clothes off to you. Then I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And so what I want to do right now is every, give everyone an opportunity to respond to this gospel and the power of it that we've been talking about for the last five weeks. We're going to have a baptism service right now. But I want to make sure, for those of you who are new, who are contemplating this, I want to make sure you understand what you're doing and why you would do it. If you look up on the screens, in the beginning, God created us to have a relationship with him. God created the Corinthians the Corinthians, to have a relationship with him. God created people in Philadelphia, believe it or not, to have a relationship with him. But in the beginning of time, it says that Adam and Eve were the first people that sinned against God who said, basically, I don't want to have a relationship with you. I'm going to call my own shots. And that sin created a barrier between them and God. And every single person since has had that barrier. Those of you, I've never had a conversation with someone that's an atheist where I eventually don't get them to say, you do agree that there's something. Like there's there's, there's something beyond us. Call it a force, call it a power, call it a deity, whatever it is. You feel it. There's, There's something more. And the reason you don't know what it is is because of that barrier. And the reason the gospel must be shared to us, coming from Jesus and then through friends and family, me, whatever, is because God wants to help us find our way back to him. So what we do on our own without the gospel is we try to become good people, nice people, but all of it falls short. The problem in all of this scenario is if you're separated from God right now and you're not a Christ follower and you haven't believed, repented, and been baptized, this separation that you have with God will continue after your death. You will continue to be separated from God after your death. The Bible calls that hell. Hell is eternal conscious separation from God. And we have only one opportunity and it's during this life, there is no such thing as purgatory. There is no second chance after we die. The decision must be made while we're alive. The Bible says the gospel tells us that Jesus paid the penalty for hell on the cross. That's the good news of Jesus, is that even though we deserve to continue in this eternal separation, God wants us to be with him. And so we get over to God's side and have a relationship with him by doing just three simple things that we see in the book of Acts. We believe that this is true. We repent and we tell God, God, I've just blown it. I've run my own life and it just hasn't worked. I'm sorry, I repent. And the last thing we do is that we're baptized. In the Bible, when we talk about baptism, baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to dunk underwater, It means to be immersed. Many people in this area were sprinkled as a child, and that was a good first step. But baptism now is an opportunity for you to make a decision honoring what your parents did for you, but now this is a decision for you. We believe, we repent, and we're baptized. So we're going to do baptisms right now. And so we have a baptism uh, area right over there. We have shorts and T-shirts and shorts for everyone. We have changing changing areas in the back, and um, I believe Dan is in the water. Dan, are you there in the water? Dan, Dan, can you give us the can you give us the Forrest Gump wave? Dan, there's Dan. Give us the Forrest Gump wave. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is I'm over there. Frank's over there. Um, Heather's over there, and a number of our staff. And what we would do is we would just love for you while the band is singing. Uh, just simply to come over. We'll give you uh, stuff to change into, and then you'll uh, experience uh, the gift of baptism and the gift of new life and rebirth and forgiveness and power and all that kind of great stuff that comes. And so let's just pray right now. God, I just pray for the hearts and minds of people that are here who haven't made this decision. God, let them know how much you love them. Let them know that this opportunity may not come again. And so if they're ready to step out and take that step. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So let's walk on over there if you're ready. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.